The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks again for joining us as we take a few minutes out of our day and evaluate the Word of God. As you know, we've been going through uh, the book of 1 Samuel. And so if you're following along, uh, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 2 in verse 12. Now, much like sometimes happens in Old Testament study, uh, you're going to find that our, I want to say next topic, next section that we would look at covers a larger section of scripture. Often we find that uh, people like preachers like me who love expositional preaching, going through books of the Bible, find this one of the challenges that in many occasions, if you want to give the whole context of one account that God has given, it sometimes can cover a couple chapters. Uh, That's not the case today, but the case today is if we follow the thinking through, it starts at chapter 12 and works its way down uh, to basically the end of the chapter, verse uh, verse 12 down to verse number 36. And so what we're going to see here, um, and we'll see how much we get through. More than likely what I'll do is I won't break down every verse as we walk through it, as this is a uh, historical account. We'll look at it. You can walk through and read through more detail on your own. But we're looking at a section of Scripture where um, God is now beginning to make a comparison between Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and Samuel. And what we're really going to see is how wicked Eli's and Eli's sons were. And we can also see the response that Eli had. Now, what ended up happening is we might do this in in two episodes because there are some great principles we can pull from this. But let's begin by just digging in and looking at really the difference between Eli, Eli's sons and their reaction and Samuel's heart. Verse number 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. I want you to catch this because a lot of times people... In religious form, you think, well, they're a religious leader, they're this or that. This passage simply states they did not know the Lord. There can be people, preachers even, who simply just do not know the Lord. Verse 13, And the priest's customs with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fresh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did it. So they didn't Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the men of the sacrifice, Give meat for the roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you must take as much as your heart desires. He would then answer him, No, but you must give it now, and if you do not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sign of the young man was very, a sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So, one of the things that would happen, it's similar to what happens in church today. So, I'll give you an example of what happens in church today. Uh, every Sunday, um, myself and many others will give of our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Uh, we do it to the Lord. We do it through the local church. One of the things that happens in that giving is it's used to support the staff that are on, staff that are working specifically overseeing the ministries, the senior pastor, the um, support staff, um, the youth, youth leadership, the children's leadership, those who are at some level of paid staff. We use those funds to pay those people as they're kind of working, overseeing it. Then they will often oversee volunteers and things like that to make it happen. We use that to pay bills. We also use that as outreach. 
many of our staff are engaged in that, reaching out to the community. Uh, how can we do more? We take in our scenario, well, uh, we take it and we've partnered with people, with Youth for Christ, with a pregnancy center in town, people like that that are working in a very specific field and we partner with them to be able to impact that aspect. So that's what often when money comes in, it's what happens and, it, and it's a good way. It's how it's supposed to be done. It's how God's church works and influences. It's one of the ways it influences the community. Well, in the Old Testament, what would happen is uh, one of the ways that the priest would get food is when the sacrifice was done, they could take of what was there. Uh, which was the plan, as much as they want, as the one man said. Well, in this situation, uh, the, uh, the two priests, Tophne and Phineas, did not want to cook. They wanted fresh, which was not God's plan. So what would happen is they'd come in and basically threaten the people. If you do not give us what we want, we're going to take it by force. Now, I hope you understand what's happening here. These two men, which we do not know God, so they did not respect the traditions. They did not, and this is more than tradition, did not expect the commands of God to the priest. They knew it. They knew the truth, but they themselves didn't care. So they were abusing their privilege for their own personal gain. And literally, I can't think of a worse thing somebody in their position or in my position could do to find a way to manipulate their situation to get more and to gain and not to make what we do about God. I, I, my position, those who do that need to be out of the ministry. This we, we, you know, God has promised to take care of us, and God has given commands on how it's supposed to happen. But the moment we use our position to manipulate things that we want, uh, it needs to be over. And that's one of the reasons. In our church, we have a board, which whom the pastor is accountable. It's, a, it's protective for him. It's protective for the church. It, it helps us all because Satan can get to any one of us. We all can make the wrong decision at any given time, and that safety in the multitude of counselors is there. In this situation, these men, and please understand, the priest was a very powerful position in this culture, and so they just abuse their position. Uh, let's take a minute here and look down at the difference with Samuel in verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan, for that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. I mentioned one of the previous episodes was Hannah's praying about the child was seven. That might've been her. Obviously that was not the case in this situation, she ended up having five more children. Uh, and this is where we see God massively blessing them as a result. And obviously, you see um, Samuel comes here. He had been reared in a home of character because one of the three things, he was older. He had gone through weaning. He would have been a young child, but would have gone through kind of those developmental years of character. Many believe uh, and today, and I think it's true, that a large portion of a, of a person's character is developed by the age of five. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And not that it can't be adjusted, but really a lot of who they are is established by the age of five. It's why investing, sacrificing and investing in children at such a young age as parents, uh, having them in church, things like that, it really does establish who they are. I can't say that means they will be pure, perfect, but it puts in their original character. So Samuel comes in living in the same scenario. He lives with Hophni and Phinehas, being reared by the same man who reared them, but yet he's a man, of a young boy of character. They are not. Um, and, it, and it wasn't that I think Eli was so different. It's just the character that was instilled in him from his family at such a young age. And I think their obedience put in an extra level of character into him as he was being blessed. And you see two completely different um, responses. Now, let me go back one more thing, because I don't know. Um, 
we're going to kind of just go a couple, a couple, little bit more, and then we're going to stop here for uh, for today. So this is verse 22. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. Know, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. Now, here's the reason I wanted to read this as we come to the end. Well, you see Hophni and Phinehas, you see Samuel, and people come back and they wonder, well, what is one of the major differences between the two, men's of Eli, two sons of Eli and the son of Elkanah and Hannah? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state it comes down to the character training, as I mentioned a moment ago. See, what you see in the verses I just read is, so um, Eli, Eli had come to know that Hophni and Phinehas were having adultery with the different people, with different women that would come. You can't imagine, not only were they stealing from the sacrifices that were supposed to go to God in the wrong way, now there's just the immorality that was taking place by these two men were insane. And tomorrow we'll talk about God's punishment towards it. So instead of trying to wrap it all in one, tomorrow we'll look at how God responded to this. But one of the things that's intriguing to me in this section of Scripture is that when Eli responds, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't force them to stop. He doesn't step up, not only as a father, these are grown men, not only as a father stopping him, but as the priest, stopping them, removing them from their position. Here's what he says, how dare, oh, this is wrong, I hear this. No, don't do this. It was really weak in his response. Oh, please don't do this, stop. Sometimes, you know, let me tell you what our culture does, and I don't, and I'm very careful not to make sure we call this authoritarian. This is not authoritarian parentship where you kind of be harsh on your kids. But the Bible does teach us in Proverbs to train up our children in the way they should go. Lovingly, graciously, it does tell us to provoke not our kids to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Um, so we are to do it in love. We're not to do it in anger. We're not to do it in all that. And you can do it wrong. You can have the right motives with the wrong actions. I would say this, any rules without any kind of relationship will always breed rebellion. There's a lot of things we can say there. But can I tell you what you have here in all reality is a disengaged father. He wanted to be a friend. He didn't want to take the right step. He didn't take his responsibility as a father and a priest seriously, and that's what the response he got. He want, you know, we could go through a whole list of what the world says today. I want to be their friend. I don't, want, I don't want to be their father. Can I tell you, we have been given an absolutely amazing and wonderful opportunity when it comes to rearing our children. And sometimes it's not, well, let me phrase it. Generally, it's not easy. It's Satan's fighting to get them. May we in a day that tells the parents to back away and let the kids make their own decisions. I want you to, that's the culture today. Parents back away, let the kids make their own decision. May we never, ever fall to that. We need to be training our children. We need to be protecting our children. We need to be modeling godly character and love and grace to our children so they grow older, they repeat that. Not harshness, but grace and love but we need to be representing Jesus in our homes. Again, that doesn't mean that everybody who grows up in a Christian home will one day walk out and love Jesus, but I can tell you that if you are fake, like you come to church, but at home, none of it means anything. If you're not, if you claim to be Christian, but you live this hypocritical life, and if you're just not taking it seriously, your kids are gonna take it even less. Uh, if you don't take God and all these things seriously, your kids are gonna want nothing to do with it. And so may we put God first. May we model as husbands how we love our wives, uh, how we love our children, how we are engaged. And I put this on the fathers. This is the greatest influence that any uh, child can have. And it's been proven across every culture that a father has greater influence than anybody. And a father in a home, the home will be different.
Men, may we step up. Men, may we take leadership. Men, may we sometimes have to change direction, whatever it is, to follow God, not culture and anybody else. Follow God. We are the head of our homes. I mean, as a pastor, I am not the head of their home, not the head of your home. Your, your husband is, as God's put it in there. And may we as men take that leadership, do it lovingly, graciously, and represent Jesus in our home where we can see the differences of what happens in these two scenarios. Well, again, thank you for the privilege to be part of your day. Hope it's an encouragement. Stick with us as we continue to dig through. Tomorrow we're going to see how God saw these men, and frankly, anybody who's going to abuse spiritual position deserves what's coming to them, and we'll see how God responds to that tomorrow. Do appreciate the privilege you've given to me, be part of your day, and hope you'll join us again next time.